Welcome back, everybody. As we get going here on a Monday afternoon, along with Adrian Broaditz, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. It is Sports Talk live today from Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino, getting ready for the Raiders and the Chiefs. A little Monday night football for you. Come down to watch it with us. Enjoy three, four, five dollar pints. Also, $4 Fireball, $5 shots at Jack and Jack flavors, not to mention that terrific menu, whether it's the half-pound burgers, all the different flavors of wings. They've got pizza. They have nachos. They have brisket. They've got everything out here at Border City Ale House. Pool tables, shuffleboard, TVs everywhere, opportunity to watch Monday night football, all the baseball playoffs you can handle. It's all happening here at the Ale House. As far as uh, our business goes hey you can come down sign up to win some great great prizes we're going to be giving away here at halftime between the raiders and the chiefs thanks to our friends at all that music and video vinyl cds video and gifts in their newly remodeled and expanded spot at the fountains of farrah directly below the best buy parking lot we're going to be giving away let's see here we have a chiefs insulated cooler we're going to be giving away We've got a Chiefs DVD. We're going to give away also uh, Raiders and Chiefs keychain, bottle openers, and a Raiders uh, insulated lunch bag that we're going to be uh, handing out today, courtesy of our friends of all that music and video uh, located at the Fountains of Farah. And again, if you have not been to their new store, you got to see it. They've been doing it since 1980, folks. And uh, it is the only complete music media store in the entire region out here uh, with us today. Plus, thanks to our friends at Relax Axe Throwing. We're going to be giving away a uh, pass good for two free axe throwing sessions. Folks, this is a $50 value from our friends at Relax, 808 Montana Avenue. This is a terrific prize, and you can enjoy this also here at halftime tonight. If that's not enough, we've got a Beer Bites and Beats Black T-shirt we're going to give away as well. All that courtesy of uh, Town Square Media. And a very cool Don Haskins 8x10 photo collage featuring some of his outstanding players over the years, including Wayne Soup Campbell, Fred Reynolds, Luster Goodwin, Greg Foster, Dave Feitel, Willie Cager, Neville Shedd, Brandon Wolfram, and the late, great Jim Forbes. That's also going to be one of our halftime prizes here tonight at the Ale House. Want to welcome back to the show Adrian Broadus, who you heard a moment ago during SportsCenter, back from his bachelor party weekend extravaganza in uh, uh, New Orleans. It was such a great trip that he was able to still manage to do minor talk with Sal after the UTEP game against Louisiana Tech this weekend. Adrian, good to see you, and uh, I am so impressed. You came back on time. You seem refreshed, ready to go. How did this bachelor party compare to your bachelor party of a few months back in Denver? You know what, Steve? I love this bachelor party. My, one of my best friends, Michael, uh, he lives out in Houston. All his friends wanted to meet up in New Orleans, so uh, I was going with a, a group of people that I didn't really know, but uh, we quickly got acquainted on Friday, and uh, we had a lot of fun on Bourbon Street Friday night. 
Saturday, we went off to the NOLA Motorsports uh, Complex, and we raced some, like, high-powered go-karts. So they were, like, the fast ones, you know. So that was a lot of fun, too. And then uh, got a chance to get back to our Airbnb in time for the UTEP La Tech game. Uh, covered the game from there while everybody went out to dinner. Uh, and then right after Minor Talk, I met them on Bourbon Street. It was a great time. I would say this one compared uh, very favorably for me. I felt like I was a little bit more, um, you know, anxious and, and kind of worried at times during my bachelor party, just kind of managing all the plans and all of that. This time I didn't have to worry about that. It wasn't mine. So, you know, I'm just hanging back, kicking back with my friends and just having a great time. Uh, I, it was a quick 48-hour trip. Uh, you won't, you know, you know, I did not sleep on Saturday night, and I went immediately from Bourbon Street to the Airbnb, got my stuff, and went to the airport at 4.30 in the morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight, uh, and now I'm back. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be back in action. Any shenanigans over the 48 hours in New Orleans? A lot of shenanigans, but nothing too crazy. I would say my bachelor party was a little bit crazier. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but no, it's just, just the usual shenanigans of going to Bourbon Street and, uh, and hanging out and having a great time. I'm impressed that you went to see some guys that were throwing a bachelor party and you told them, wait until after Minor Talk when I can meet up with you. You put them aside to still host Minor Talk even though uh, you were with them and they were out to dinner and you were in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, one of the things I told uh, my, my good friend Michael is, hey, before I say yes, before I commit to this, I have to do this show, Minor Talk, on Saturday. There's no really exception to it. This is our show, uh, and I'm not trying to miss this show for anything, really. So I, I need to be able to do the show from the Airbnb. He said, hey, no problem. We'll make sure that we have a lot of fun Friday. We'll make sure that we meet up with you afterward on Saturday. Con Uber, um, you know, they, they thankfully had cell phone service and everything, and as soon as my Uber dropped me off, uh, I found them right away, so there's no problem there. That is fascinating. Well, listen, I'm happy you had fun. I'm happy you hosted Minor Talk. I know we're going to get... Uh, our Minor Talk mashup going here on the show today to give us a little bit of a lowdown of what went down. Also, we'll hear from you. We'll hear from Chema. We'll hear from our listeners. So much to get to on the program. Uh, but you think about what's happened over the weekend, okay? We'll start with UTEP because they fell to Louisiana Tech in a game which they had a ton of chances. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that over the next three hours. But then you look at what went down in baseball. You look at uh, the Mets, 101 wins getting one hit in a winner-take-all playoff game for the first time in the history of baseball. That has never happened before until yesterday. Congratulations to the Padres. They're on to take on the Dodgers, while the Phillies able to uh, make easy work of the cards after that incredible six-run ninth to win game one. So the Phillies meet up with the Braves. Guardians uh, with uh, an impressive performance, terrific pitching. Uh, both teams, terrific pitching, Guardians and the Rays, but Cleveland getting the win. They get the opportunity to meet the Yankees. While what do you say about Seattle? They were so, so impressive, and now they get the Houston Astros. Fun wild card weekend. I like the three games, and the fact is, as a Met fan, I can't complain. They had three home games, and they couldn't beat the Padres. So, you know what? San Diego was better than them. Joe Musgrove was better than them. And as tough as the Tatis news was to deal with, hey, San Diego gets the last laugh. They get the Dodgers. 
You know, Steve, this baseball weekend reminded me uh, that, yes, I do love the wild card round. I love the best of three series. And look at all the games. They all had drama. It wasn't like we had uh, a single game that was, you know, without drama. Like the first game with the Phillies and Cardinals, how the Phillies were able to rally back at the top of the ninth. You had that 15-inning extravaganza between uh, the Rays and the Guardians that just felt like an amazing, amazing matchup. Uh, all the drama that happened with Padres-Mets. And, and Steve, it's hard, right? Because can you be that sad this weekend, knowing that the Jets right now are playing the I way know. that they're playing, and the, and you know, seeing how they won that game yesterday against the Dolphins, forty to seventeen? It's tough. It, you know, it's it's tough to you know be too down on your hometown teams when you know that the Jets are still alive and they're they're playing some good football. Hundred percent right, they are, and so are the Giants. They came and beat Green Bay in in, uh, in in London. That was also an amazing performance. Um, my my son Joel is here, and he will be helping yep. me with the halftime drawing uh, coming up in, in just a little bit when we get to the halftime of the games. But it's funny. He's wearing his Mets cap, uh, Adrian, that he got at City Field, which he bought with his own money when we were on our vacation. Yeah. And yet – he was rooting for the Padres, not the Mets, in the series. It's because I've never had a Padres hat, even though they're my favorite team. So I just had to go with the second favorite team. Which was the Mets. Yes. Okay. I mean, I was interested in that because apparently he made his uh, intentions known to me in game one. He told me he was rooting for the Padres, even yes. though he does not own a Padres ball cap. He owns a Mets cap and has worn the Mets cap uh, for probably the last, I don't know, three months, almost every day yes. of the week. So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so you're not upset that the Padres beat the Mets? I mean, I'm a little bit, but not really for the most part, no. You're happy for yourself. You're upset yes. for me. I understand. Yes. Well, that's, that, that, that's, that's good to hear. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yes, okay. it is a tradition when we are either in uh, the, the Christmas holidays in December or now intercession that uh, Joel decides to make the trip out to the Yale House and help out with giveaways. The only difference oh, yeah. between today and um, other years is he's been here for the whole time. So you're going to be yes. here for three hours of sports radio, and then you're going to go ahead and help out with halftime. Pretty much. Do you think it's going to get boring? What do you mean? Do I think it's going to get boring? Do you think it's going to get boring? In what regard? The for you? Hours? You think, yes, you think for you're going to be – well, I'm never bored on the radio for three hours. That's what I do for a living for the last 27 years. That's you, true. on the other hand, you might get bored. I don't I know. I mean, I don't know. your attention span is, is not exactly uh, – you know, you can't just sit here listening to me for three hours and be captivated. It doesn't That's work true. like that. That's so. true. So if, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're bored, let me know. You can put your headset down. Do something else. Watch the TV. Play some shuffleboard or some pool here at the Yale House, and I'll be seeing you soon. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Got it. Uh, Adrian, you think uh, how long do you think till he gets bored? <laughs> uh, no, actually, I think our show is going to be so exciting uh, today, Steve. That Joel's going to be captivated. He's going to be uh, listening to all the callers who are chiming in. He's going to want to give his takes as well on all the yes. sports that are going on. I don't think there's going to be a dull moment. Monday shows are exciting here on Sports Talk. I think he checks out before the bottom of the hour. That's my guess. You think? Yes, I okay. do. I think you're out before the bottom of the hour. I think okay. you'll have enough, and you will. Uh, and, and and remember, Adrian. I, I you know, he's mine. I I, I, I see him and live with him on a day to day basis. If That's he true. actually gets through three hours of this show and is not bored, I will be floored. How I much mean, will you pay me? What? <laughs> Just kidding. No, you're not getting paid. Oh, okay. stop it. This is everything. It's it's not always about money. It he's doesn't work that. like that. So. All right, um, so we'll talk a little bit more uh, during the program with uh, Joel Kaplowitz and get his thoughts on everything sports-wise. You want me to, should, I, should I mute your microphone right now? 
No, it's fine. You want you want to stay hot? Just yes. All right, just don't keep uh, chiming in every single second, okay? Okay. All right, thank you very much. You got you got to let us you got to let us talk a little bit. Here. We got yes. we got a, we got a show to do, you know? Yes, I know, I know. Okay, okay. So um, we've also got the UTEP game to talk a lot about. And I'm sure that's what's going to fire up the phone calls. Adrian, um, I said said this to you during the game. Look, I really like what they've done with Gavin Hardison as a game manager when UTEP is playing with a lead. My biggest concern with Gavin is when they're behind. And when you're behind by a lot and you're asking to put the ball in the air uh, a lot, that's where I think things get dicey, especially when he gets pressured. And despite all of that, UTEP was only down six in the fourth quarter and looked like they were on the verge of possibly overtaking Louisiana Tech. Hardison still threw three interceptions, which absolutely uh, hurt uh, hurt the Miners' case. Um, they also lost a fumble when Kelly uh, Akari lost it. Um, but you know what? All in all, uh, all I can tell you is UTEP will be kicking themselves over Saturday night because they know that was a game they probably uh, should have had when it was all said and done. You know, with four turnovers offensively and then two turnovers on down inside the La Tech red zone, that just shows you right there that UTEP hasn't really overcome the early season struggles and problems that we see. And, and these are reoccurring issues, right? It's red zone efficiency. It's giving up big plays on defense, which, by the way, they gave up six uh, passing plays to La Tech that were uh, 15 or more yards, and they gave up three rushing plays that were 10 or more yards against La Tech uh, defensively. So while the defense buckled down a little bit in the second half, uh, they still had some problems. Gave up a big play uh, when things were getting close. It was 30-24, uh, to 24, and then uh, UTEP allowed a quick touchdown drive by La Tech that pretty much sealed the deal and won the game for the Bulldogs. But yeah, you're, you're right, Steve. This team isn't built to come from behind. This team really isn't built to hit adversity and try to overcome it during games. That's why I think that what they did against Boise State and, and what they did against Charlotte, yep. well, that was impressive. But, that you know, they took two steps in those two wins, and they took one step back in a loss to La Tech. Now they've got five games left. They've got to win three of those. It's going to be tough, Steve. It's going to be tough to get those wins. I was having lunch with uh, Renee, a good friend of mine, and I asked him an interesting question that I'll throw your way and, and Chema's way and ask our listeners to. Uh, what's more frustrating if you're a UTEP fan? Losing a game which you had a chance to win, but you realize that you really have no business being on the football field with your opposition, or losing a game in which you know that you're just as good, if not better, than your opposition. Because we've been through the first part of that so many times, where the Miners lose to a team, and even though they're close, you realize that they just don't stack up talent-wise with who they're playing. But now they're in a different spot, Adrian. So is it more frustrating losing games where you realize that you have just as much, if not more, talent than your opposition, but you fall to them on the road? Yeah, no doubt. It's way worse when the expectations are on you, and you actually have a squad that can compete and go toe-to-toe with everybody. I mean, Dana Dimmel, after the game, talked about parity across Conference USA and how it seems like it's the teams that make fewer mistakes in games that end up prevailing versus the teams who have way too many mistakes in games who end up falling in these games. That's usually true. You can kind of look at the wins and losses for UTEP based off things like the turnover margin or things like the red zone but I, I don't know here I'll ask Chema the same question on this one because I think it's a great topic you know what I feel like I have to agree with Adrian you know because like 
you know, like you see like Law Tech, you see how UTEP did against Law Tech last last year when they beat them 19 to 3 and you know, I feel like UTEP was going in like pretty strong. You know, I had high hopes for this team, but then again, you also have to think like coming into this week, they've been playing nonstop. So maybe I they mean, kind of yeah, I get tired. it. You're right, Gemma. No buys. That's true. But hey, adversity is part of sports, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. So uh, you could say they were tired. They've been playing. They haven't had a break. I get all that. But hey, um, despite being down twenty to three. They found themselves in a position to where it was, I believe, what, 30-24? to 24? Was that the score um, yes. in the fourth quarter? That's right. So, yeah, they came back. They, they did. And, the, and, the, and their offense had, or their defense had held Louisiana Tech. But then Tech ends up scoring a touchdown, and the Miners weren't able to move it. And after that, that was pretty much all she wrote. So I do want to talk about the game, and I want to – get other thoughts on that from people and i and, and it's so interesting too because you know when the miners lose you hear a lot of people a lot of people complaining about gavin hardison and statistically yesterday or saturday the thing that that that's the hardest thing to for me to deal with is the fact that and it's not even the interceptions it's it's the completion percentage below 500 Adrian, have you noticed that when he's the game manager, he's usually in the 62 to 70 range of completion percentages, and yet when you need him to bring you back, his completion rate is under 500, under 50%. That's the thing that, can, to me, is is clearly, you know, you realize Gavin is just, you're, you're, He's not at his best when you're asking him to play comeback football, and he's being pressured. That seems to be old. You know, Gavin throws. He makes mistakes. It's almost as if he's trying either to do too much or he makes uh, judge, quick judgment calls that unfortunately will backfire on. You know, I think you you hit it right on the head, Steve. I think that when you see Gavin Hardison play throughout his uh, his games, one of the things that alarms me is his completion percentage. But the tough part I have with all of this is, who do you blame? Do you blame the play calling, which uh, Gavin Hardison attempts 51 passes compared to 38 rush attempts, or do you blame Hardison for some of the poor decisions that he makes? It's it's tough, right? It's it's a different dynamic. It's a different complex well, on both ends. And uh, the completion percentage being what it is, well, he chucks it down field all these different times and he's got only three receivers going out for passes so I I don't know it's a tough complex I have there I put blame on him and on Dana Dimmel I was gonna say all the above to me is the answer all the above you're not putting him in a bet in his best situation and at the same time hey he's been doing this enough now where you hope that he starts to make progress in things that he struggled with in the past and it's still not the case so you know, when you're down 20 to 3 and you're and you're asking Gavin to put the ball in the air 45 50 times, um, 9 times out of 10 you're losing that football game. And they were close yet last Saturday despite all the mistakes, but still, minor fans, uh, they're not going to be happy coming off with a 41-31 loss to Louisiana Tech. We could talk about it with you. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. Live from Border City L House. Let's kick it off. Charlie won with our first traffic update of the afternoon. 25 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. 505-6009. You know, the one thing I will say about uh, the quarterback situation at UTEP, and I and I think I've talked about this on the radio before, Adrian, maybe early on when 
the Miners has started off the season 0 and 3. Um, it's or was it uh, 1 and 3? That I I felt like the last couple of years as the team has um, you know made Gavin the starting quarterback and committed to Gavin the last couple of seasons as a starter. They've never really brought in anyone with the kind of credentials to push him and the, for the starting job. I, I don't know about you, but it almost seems like, you know, Gavin is the starting quarterback there, you know, and I'm not looking at Calvin Brownholtz or really anybody else as somebody that could ever really pose a threat, at least at this point, to Gavin. And when you're given that assurance – I wonder, you know, sometimes I almost wish there was somebody else that could push him more and maybe uh, put him in a spot, compete with him to get better. But when you're when you know you've got the job and you know that as long as you're healthy, nobody's taking that job away from you. How tough is it to really improve year after year as a college football starting quarterback? That's a really good point. No one breathing down your neck, no pressure as a starting quarterback. I think the argument for it would be, hey, you you trust a guy, you build an offense all around a guy, you build around his strengths, and you work to develop a game plan around that quarterback's strength. And you kind of give him that confidence like, hey, we know that you're the guy. We're not going to bring anybody else in to compete against you. Uh, It kind of reminds me of how the U- the UTEP offense revolved around Kai Loxley when he was here. That was an offense built specifically for him, and then when uh, Kai was injured or something you know, was a little bit different, they would go with Gavin Hardison, but wouldn't really change the, the play calling, wouldn't really change the game plan. So I think, you know, just by covering this team, I have no real inside info as to why they're not getting another quarterback, but I would think that they want to build around one specific quarterback and have him, you know, have the game plan all around him, like they're doing with Gavin Hardison. I, I don't think they're ready to move on from him and they want to continue to build off his strengths versus you know uh, moving on and just having another quarterback in there. But we see it all across college football, Steve. We do. We, we, do. we see it with, with teams when things go south in the middle of games. They'll throw a backup quarterback in and have a spark. But you'll also see a situation like what Venables has at Oklahoma right now that as soon as Dylan Gabriel went down with the uh, concussion, their backups are so inexperienced and green that there is a massive drop-off. They got beat 49 nothing to the Longhorns Saturday, and they got beat up badly in the game prior to when you saw uh, to TCU when Gabriel went down. So it's interesting that, you know, it's not just a UTEP thing. There are plenty of schools that now in the NIL world will commit to you and just to make sure that you're not looking to to jump ship from one year to the next, they won't bring anybody else in as a backup that really poses a serious threat to your job. I mean, look at how bad Oklahoma's quarterbacks were in Gabriel's absence against the Texas team that's given up plenty of points so far this year to their opposition. But they embarrassed Oklahoma um, on Saturday and made it one of the most uh, lopsided games ever in the history of of that rivalry. You know, I think there's a, a lot to be said when it comes to having a quality backup quarterback. Not only in in college, but in and in, in the NFL, we see it. In high school football, we see it. Uh, we saw it this weekend. You know, I'll give another example um, to to you know the benefits of actually having a strong uh, backup quarterback. Kansas went into their game against TCU undefeated, and while they lost 38 to 31, I really liked what Jason Bean did in relief of Jalen Daniels, the star quarterback for Kansas. He went out early in that 
that game, and Bean really didn't uh, miss a beat. I mean, he really yep. helped them out in a big way, had four passing touchdowns, and nearly led them to victory against the Horned Frogs. But there's something to be said when it comes to having a strong backup quarterback because, you know, Gavin Hardison's play aside, if anything were to happen to the Gunslinger, I'm not confident in, in any oh, of no. UTEP's backup quarterbacks. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you. I mean, you say what you want about Gavin. If he gets hurt, they're, they're cooked. Their season's over. So 100% right about that. 100% right. All right. Bottom of the hour as Sports Talk continues. By the way, I was right about Joel. Uh, during the break, headset off and uh, less than half an hour. Oh, man. Dang, Steve. I'm sad. Oh, I'm sad. But he's, but he's telling me that he's hungry, and that's why he, uh, he stopped uh, with the headphones. I, I don't know how hunger has anything to do with not listening to the show, but uh, that's okay. Um, as soon as he knew he was not going to make money by uh, hanging in for three hours, uh, the headphones went right off. He could so. get the tech fees, Steve. He could get something where he, uh, you know, maybe a prize afterward. Maybe that could, could. incentivize it. Maybe well, food no. will incentivize I'm him getting, to keep listen going. Listen to me. I will be getting him a cheese quesadilla. He just ate a hamburger with um, with um, a tots on our way over here, and I thought that was going to hold him over. It didn't. He's still hungry, uh, so that we'll throw it. We'll have a little cheese quesadilla for him. See how that goes. After that, we'll uh, we'll revisit the situation. Okay. All right. Sounds um, good. Perfect. All right. Fair enough. And then also, Orly is coming up next. We've got two lines open. 505-6009. We're live. Border City L House. But first, here's Adrian at Sports Center. All right, Adrian. Thank you very much. As we keep things moving, 33 pass. Let's go as uh, two lines are open. 505-6009. Here is Orly joining us next. Orly, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. Doing all right. So I guess you got him a hamburger with tots. It must have been a Sonic. The only place I don't know that has tots is Sonic. There you so. go. Well, you're a smart, you're a smart man. Smart man. I know my, I know my food. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know, let's go with UTEP, first of all. You know, you have a follow-up with Charlotte. All right, you on the road. Had a game that, I, you're right, UTEP has better athletes. Louisiana Tech, um, but it, it, it is what it is. And you can tell the novice UTEP fan. And the first thing, oh, go, we beat Boise State. Guys, that's in the past. What has he done now? If you want to use that game as a, as a pivot, okay, do something after that. I'm tired of what we beat Boise. So what? And what does that have to do with anything? You haven't followed it up. With two, you had two winnable games on the road. Yep. And you failed in the second, the second one. That may have cost them some attendance. That's what scares me. Because if they won that game, I think the attendance, even though it's a two o'clock game against Florida Atlantic, I think I, I hope not. I hope people show up and support them. I'll be there. But it, it's a tough road now, at three and four. Because you look at the schedule; it's a little bit tougher now. Their schedule's well, a little tough. They got some winnable games. Florida Atlantic coming across country to El Paso may may be to their benefit. But you mean you look at some of the other? You got uh, Middle Tennessee at home, and you got you know you got you got some tough ones on the road. Rice is going to be tough at Rice. Rice yep, is you're right. Give us a hard time. Yeah, I mean gonna, that was a big loss. Let's put it this way, though: FAU and Middle are tough games, but they're winnable. They're home games, so they're winnable. Um, you got to remember this, okay? The Miners, uh, you know, they lost to North Texas at home, 
But they've beaten New Mexico State. They've beaten Boise. So, you know, they're 2-1. and one. they got a chance against FAU in middle. Rice will be tough. UTSA will obviously be a very tough game. FIU, even though they beat New Mexico State, is still winnable. Oh, and by the way, Boise's 3-0 and in the Mountain West, and they just beat Fresno State. So they've turned around their season. I rid of their offensive coordinator <laughs> and changed the quarterbacks. Yeah, but they brought back Dirk Cutter. That, yeah. That's... Yeah, I mean, that's made all the difference. Made all the difference in the oh, world. Yeah. You're right about that. 100. Okay, let's go with the 49er game. You sure. Know, it played well. It should play well playing against Carolina. Uh, 49ers haven't played anybody. They're three and two, leading the division. I'm happy, but they really haven't played anyone. The Rams are not what the Rams were. Uh, the Seattle's. I mean, you lose to Chicago and Denver. I mean, that's, I mean, they're going to find out what they're made of after this week. Because they have Kansas City at home. They got the Rams on the road again, which I don't know what Rams are going to show up. But it's always a, well, it's a home game, really, for San Francisco. It's so fine. Look at the fans at Carolina. It was, yep. all, it was all red. Yeah. Um, yeah. They travel very well. Um, then you've got the Tampa Bay. Oh, no. You got the Chargers and then Tampa Bay. So they're going to find out what their season's all about here in the next five five weeks. I agree with so, that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Give the Cowboys their due. I mean, I'm not a Cowboy fan, but you know what? If Prescott comes back and he starts to lose, what happens? Uh, I wouldn't start him against Philadelphia if he's ready. Uh, I wouldn't either. He's going to be rusty. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I would play. I would play Cooper Rush against the Eagles. So, I mean, look, uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you know you want to obviously go beat the Eagles. But they're putting they're putting Dak back when he's 100 percent, no matter who they are. But if, if you watch the video yesterday of the Cowboy game, Dak is still wearing a thumb guard uh, on his throwing hand. So his you know his hand is not fully healed yet, and. Why would you risk that against a team that's 5-0 and like the Eagles when Cooper Rush has done such a good job as a game manager for the Cowboys? Steve, Jimmy G had his hand, same thing, had the surgery last year. He was able to throw the ball. Jimmy G did it. He had his thumb, same thing, through the whole playoffs. Yeah, the only difference is, I mean, is that when Jimmy G was out, uh, there was a there was a drop-off with the 49ers. You've seen the Cowboys actually play better because they've run the ball more, which they didn't do as much with Dak. The defense has been terrific, and you haven't asked Cooper Rush to win you a game in the fourth quarter. They've played when they've been playing ahead the whole the whole run. Yeah, there's no pressure yet. Uh, as the 49ers, any word on? I have not been able to get on my website to see. Is uh, I know Bosa's got a groin, full groin. Yep. But what about the kicker? That's what I'm concerned about. Um, well, I know uh, Mosley. I know that um, Mosley's out, Mosley's out Mosley for the out. year. Mosley's out for the year. I have not seen an update yet on the kicker, so I do not know about that. Because boy, let me tell you, he's he's clutch. He's a clutch kicker. Chicago. Yeah. I want to thank Chicago for trading him over to the Forty ers Steve, yeah, Robbie Gould quick. is good. Yeah, yep. real quick on Robbie Gould. He's day to day after he has a left. Uh, he has a bruised left knee. Okay, there you he's go. Bruised. Okay, he says bruised. That's fine. All right, guys. Well, you take care. Have a good week, guys. All right. You too. You too. Appreciate it, Orly. All right. We heard from Chema a little while ago on the UTEP football team. UTEP Zay was out at the volleyball match on Saturday against Rice. UTEP was up 2 
uh, sets to none. But Zay, uh, despite the 2-0 lead, the Miners just could not put away Rice. How frustrating or tough was it to watch? It was. It wasn't actually that frustrating. I think if you watch this team, you see how young they are. You know, they outperformed Rice in my opinion. They played amazing, and there was chances they had to win, and they just they just couldn't pull it off. But at the end of the day, they're young. They're full of freshmen, inexperienced. They're going to be scarier as as the year goes on. I think that's the good part. I agree with you. And again. I think the progress right now is they're taking the best teams in the conference and they're taking them down to the wire, but I know Ben Wallace wanted that against Rice badly. He he knew what a victory over a nationally ranked team like Rice would have done for the program. Yeah, yeah, you could tell. I mean, he was frustrated throughout the game, but I think um, they. I know that, you know, as the season goes on, they're going to have chances against better teams. You know, they play Western Kentucky, I think, later on. So. Yep. They're going to have chances to, to upset more teams, and I think there needs to be bigger crowds at the games, in my opinion. I'm with you. Um, you know, that's another thing. Speaking of crowds, it's not just, you know, here for events. It's everywhere. Do you know that the Mets had, like, they didn't sell out game three uh, in their winner-take-all against the Padres? They had 37,000 fans on a Sunday night to go watch a game that ultimately would have given them a chance to go see the Dodgers. Now think about that for a second. Um, you win 101 games during the regular season. You have a, full, a stadium that seats about 40, and you can't sell it out in a game three uh, against San Diego. And that's New York, by the way, New York. So this attendance thing is not a, uh, you know, it's not an El Paso thing. It's everywhere in, in all sports, professional, college, doesn't matter what. We see it all the time, all the time. All right, 19 in front of five. As we continue here on Sports Talk Live from the L House, we'll come back. More uh, of your phone calls, your tweets, your app chats. We'll do it all, all the way till 7, right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. With you on a Monday. Yeah, that's good there. That works. All right, perfect. 505-6009, testing the microphone for the halftime giveaway. you got to love that, right, uh, Adrian? Right in the middle of the show. Perfect. I love it. Hey, that's live radio at its finest. we got a big game coming up tonight, uh, Vegas versus Kansas City. Let's see what happens. What do you think is going to happen? you think Vegas shows up? No, I don't. I think uh, Kansas City rolls over them. I, I really I have no ho- I have no faith in this Ooh. Raiders team. I'm sorry, Steve. I just None, don't. I, I don't. I don't like uh, the way that they're constructed. I'm not sold as with Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Uh, maybe it's a midseason kind of you know uproar with them. Maybe they turn it around. But I, I just don't have a lot of faith after watching what I've seen so far. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, why don't we forecast the remaining five games for UTEP? You know, they would have to win four of the next five. To finish seven and five, three of the next five to finish six and six and be bowl eligible. And clearly, the games that are going to be difficult: FAU, Middle Tennessee, Rice, and UTSA. FIU seems like the only game that won't be as tough, but even FIU came to uh, New Mexico State and beat the Aggies. And you know they're oh, they're two and three, but you look at what happened. They just got beat by UConn at home, thirty-three to twelve. So you could even say that the New Mexico game was uh, maybe a, a little bit of a of, of a surprise, a fluke. So let's just give UTEP the FIU game, which gives them 
uh, you know, four wins on the season. You think they could beat FAU, Middle Tennessee uh, to go six and six, and possibly Rice to go uh, potentially seven and five? Because most believe that UTSA, the final week of the season, will uh, will be probably by, by far their uh, their toughest test, uh, you know, since the Oklahoma game. Yeah. So if if we're playing this game, you have to. I guess we can write off that UTSA game, and we have to just look at four, right? Like four out of those five games is possible winnable games, but you have to only win three of those. And can UTEP get to that mark? Uh, the FAU game is so interesting, right? Because we've seen good versions of the Owls, and we've also seen bad, bad versions of them. And it's usually, yep. the, the good is usually when Nikosi Perry, their quarterback, is at full health, at full strength, and ready to go. And the bad is when he's not at full strength. And uh, they're making that long trip over here to El Paso next week. That's to, that, Travel in itself is going to be tough for FAU. Then Middle Tennessee comes in. They're a up and down team as well. They're three and three. A lot of parity in Conference USA. Rice has proved that they can beat some teams, like they did. Uh, I think it was against UAB. Uh, but at the same time, Rice is vulnerable. They could also lose that game at home. And uh, FIU, that's the only one, at least for now. I'm putting in pencil as kind of that surefire win for UTEP. So then you narrow yeah. it down to three games, Steve. The next three games for UTEP, they've got to go two out of the three, and they got to win two of those. I, I don't know where those wins come. It's going to be tough. Well, I mean, you say they come at home, right? Because ultimately, FAU and Middle Tennessee, they're winnable games, but UTEP has to play like the UTEP that beat Boise State and not like the UTEP that lost to Louisiana Tech. It just seems like when they when they make mistakes, that is the toughest thing they to try to win ball games. They they have to play mistake free football, and that's and that's asking a lot right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I and I just wrote about this on six hundred espnelpaso.com. But it, it's three things that kind of seem like reoccurring issues. It's red zone efficiency on offense. It's turnovers on offense, and then defensively just giving up the big plays. And we saw uh, them struggled in scoring, like they were shut out against North Texas in a thirty one thirteen loss. They totaled seven turnovers against New. Mexico in their 27 to 10 loss, uh, but then you know they had uh, a lot of uh, success against Boise and and against Charlotte. Those were the games that you try to replicate going into the this next three game stretch in order to try to get some wins under their belt. Uh, but I, I don't know, Steve. I I don't know what kind of UTEP team we'll see. They're too inconsistent to predict on a game to game basis. They are 100 percent correct. Well, if you missed minor talk, we'll start the five o'clock hour with you and. Get you all caught up. Plus, Austin Cox is going to be with us from the UTEP men's basketball team at 6 p.m. here tonight to talk a little bit about uh, what the uh, UTEP men's team, the basketball team, will be doing come Thursday at Eastwood High School. A very special practice. All that and more. More of your phone calls as well at 505-6009. Sports Talk is live. Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come hang with us. Watch Monday Night Football and win some great prizes here at halftime. Back here on Sports Talk, back live. Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. Uh, getting it going here on the show. Uh, sometimes I love hearing from uh, as many different people as we can on some of our topics to get more perspectives on things. I mean, you know, Adrian uh, and I will, will talk till we're blue in the face about certain subjects, and we're usually uh, in pretty much agreement on them, especially when it comes to UTEP. But I, I like hearing fresh voices. Um, 
Chema, you follow UTEP football in a big way. You've got a lot of reasons for that, I know. And uh, your mom is a frequent chat uh, regular of ours on our mobile app. You tell me, uh, what do you feel, you know, as we're talking about Gavin playing to his strengths and doing, you know, trying to, to, to bring out the best in him, what, what do you see and, and pick up as you've watched him play well in wins and struggle in losses like Saturday? Yeah, you know what I noticed um, mostly about Gavin this game, Steve, is that he didn't run the ball as much as you saw in Charlotte and Boise. He was more pass, more run. On, and I honestly felt like UTEP's run game was really good against La Tech. Uh, pass, obviously not. You know, he was throwing a couple of interceptions. But you know what? I think that big thing is that if he doesn't take charge and run that ball, he's not going to find no one, and it's just it's going to be a dead play. So he had seven rushes for 40 yards um, in the game, okay? And, um, you know, you take out that the – I guess he also lost 11 in those seven carries, which includes the sack. So his net is 29 yards. But I guess – here's the interesting thing, because I agree with you. I like to see Gavin running, Um, especially when – you know, the, the, the passing is, is ne- not necessarily clicking on all cylinders. Then you say to yourself, okay, can he run with the ball? So the, the, the question is, what is the, um, what's the optimum number of rushes you want from, uh, from Gavin Hardison? Because 7 to 10 to me is almost that sweet spot for UTEP. So I'm with you in the sense that, you know, his largest gain – was 14 yards so he didn't have like a ton of of runs where he gained a a lot of yards but seven is still better than you think when you look at you know what he did in this game versus some of the games recently you know what steve i don't think it's more about the numbers i just think like if he has nowhere to go like he has no no wide receivers open no running backs that's opened as well it's just more about making a play instead of the numbers. Take off, right? Get the yards. Just do that. I mean, that's and that's also another thing you, we, we, we discussed a lot during the losses is that instead of trying to buy time to complete passes, sometimes you've got an open seam. Just take off and run the ball. Um, Zay, you tell me. Uh, you, you, let me follow up on Chema's thoughts on, on Hardison and some of the things you've picked up. Yeah, I think you really want to see Gavin be more of a playmaker, you know, get out of the pocket. You know, the play collapses. You want to see him make a play. I mean, he's at that point in his career where he should be doing that more effectively. When you say make a play, um, I guess we're talking about running the ball more, correct? Um, well, yeah, because he tries to buy because yeah. he tries to buy time. He does, and you know. And, Unfortunately, you know the the completion percentage just wasn't there in this I, game. Yeah, I think he just needs to be more effective when he does that. I think I don't think he's as effective as you'd want him to be at this point in his career when he tries to roll out, make a play. I think he he makes a lot of mistakes when he does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting too. So um, here is Gavin by quarters. He was two of four for thirty yards and an interception. Through the first quarter, okay? Then you look at the second quarter. And in that quarter, uh, Louisiana Tech outscored UTEP 10-7. But in the second quarter, Gavin was 7-14, of 88 yards, 
and um, another pick. So no touchdowns yet. So the interesting thing to me is that through the first half, 9 of 18, 50%. Then you look at the third quarter. Third quarter, both teams don't score any points. Although UTEP has nine first downs in that quarter. Nine first downs. And Hardison was, again, 8 of 16, 77 yards, and was sacked once. So he's right on that 50% completion percentage throughout the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, where the Miners ended up putting 21 points on the board, Gavin was 6 of 17, threw an interception, 125 yards, two scores. And, you know, I've talked about how you would just like to see that completion percentage up to that 60 to 65 range. Adrian, never more than 50% in any of the quarters. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I was looking at as well, Steve. I, I also thought that in the fourth quarter, they became way too aggressive, way too panicky, and like they were having to throw it all over the place. So that's that's probably why you saw him yeah. uh, you know, throw the more incompletions in that fourth quarter. But where I have problems is uh, those three and outs. Like Those feel so deflating. And going back to kind of what Zaya and Chema were talking about as far as being a playmaker, be a playmaker when it counts. I mean, when your team needs some life, needs some energy you you can't go off the field in a three and out situation and it feels like with UTEP and having those inefficient drives the three and outs really kill them it deflates them and also uh, another thing that could deflate them as well is when they drive it all the way into La Tech territory and their drive stalls in the red zone so I I think all of those kind of go together when it comes to to this team trying to find success Awad and Hankins, uh, Awad had eight carries for 48 yards in the third quarter. Hankins had five for 15 in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, the only rushes non-Hardison were for Ray Flores, who had two carries for 22 yards. So in the fourth quarter, Hankins and Awad did not have a single carry. UTEP scored 21 points, mind you. But no Hankins, no Watt in the fourth quarter. We had people call in thinking, oh, are they injured? Is, is Dion okay? He hadn't had a carry since the third quarter. And, and you know, I, I was saying, not to my knowledge, looked at the sideline, looked at the people, uh, looked at the personnel. Didn't seem like anybody was injured at that, at that point. And that's just UTEP deferring to the passing game, trying to come yep. back in a game, which they're not built to do. They're, they're not built to come back from games like this because they're a run-oriented offense when they try to have success and when they have to pass the ball. And I'm talking about when they have to pass the ball. That's that's when they struggle. But the hard part is this, Adrian. You're down 30 to 10. It's the fourth quarter. That's a three-score game. You know when you run the ball, you're taking time off the clock. So when you're down by 20 points, how much can you expect to run the football when you know you need three scores to win and hold the opposition to nothing? 
I agree with you completely. And on those same measures, on, on the same thought and, and line of thought, why are you going for it on fourth down in their territory in the third quarter when you have time, when you don't have to throw all over the place, when you don't have to do all, Why don't you just get out of that with a field goal? If yep. they had done that, then this game would have been a lot closer going into the fourth quarter uh, than if they had, than the, you know, what, what ended up happening. Well, it would have been 30-13, and when UTEP made their run and cut it to six, it could have been a field goal game. And maybe that changes things a little bit. You're well, right. twice, that's, twice. That's they, yeah. they, they went for it twice in the in uh, the third quarter uh, on fourth down inside La Tech territory. So that could have been 16. It could have been 30-16, to 16, yep. get two You're touchdowns, right. and then it's a tie game. Good point. Good, good point. All right, middle of the show as we continue here on Sports Talk. Before we get to Adrian and Sports Center, hey, uh, I want to tell you another great success story with Brian Birds that involved both James and Ann who needed to sell their West El Paso home that they were renting out. You know, they were tired of all the hassles of managing a rental property. So here's what they did. They enlisted the help of Brian and his team, listed that home for $320,000. You want to know how long it took on the market? How about four days? Four days. The home was sold for $15,000 over the price. Now James and Ann have one less thing to worry about. And it's thanks to Brian Birds and the Brian Birds home selling team powered by EXP Realty. Now, are you worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home? Don't worry, because Brian's got you covered. In fact, you want to skip the hassle of selling your home? Brian can make you an instant offer. That's right, instant offer. Love that about Brian Birds. He's also the official real estate agent of the UTEP Miners, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the El Paso Rhinos. He's also the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. You want to know why? I trust Brian. You should, too. Call him today, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Now, let's send it out to Adrian and get this bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Hey, uh, you want to talk UTEP? We'd love to get it going with you. Full lines. Let's jump right to them. First, we'll get to Daniel, then Augustine, then George. Daniel, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I want to give you some inspiration. And UTEP some inspiration here. Remember Aaron Jones' days at UTEP? Sure, sure. They ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they won. Well, they've they run the ball them. over the last two games, two out of three games, and they've won. They've done that. It's just like we talked about. They fell behind 20-3, to three, Daniel, and uh, when they ran the ball, they weren't putting points on the board because, as Adrian mentioned, they went for it twice on fourth down and, and, didn't, and came up empty. So a couple of long drives had nothing to prove for it. So... You know, you're right, though. When they run the ball and don't put the ball in the air 50 times, uh, chances are more often than not they're going to have a chance to put W's uh, on the board. That's that's 100% correct. Appreciate it, Daniel. Thanks for the call. On to Augustine, who joins us next on Sports Talk. Augustine, what's going on? On to the real exp- inspiration of the show. But anyway, uh, Steve, I, I just want to talk. I, I want to rebuff something you've been saying. And I, I'm going to say the following. I'm, I'm going to say that throwing the ball 50 times a game isn't a bad idea at all. But the thing is that you have to have an idea of what you're doing on offense and, and, and a clear idea of what you want to do in, in regards to passing. 
that uh, that can help the team and not just pass because of the heck of it. And 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 and, and like and, and I was lucky enough to to have an uh, to have a call on uh, on minor talk that was rated at eight out of ten by Mr. Bravis there that um, that uh, that. UTEP needs to use the tight ends a wee bit more. Three catches for the whole game for the tight ends isn't enough to to you know to open up the playbook. Use yeah. your running backs a little bit more in the play in the you know play action. Make them you know go on a flare or something. It just I just think we're throwing Gavin Hardison way too much under the bus a little bit and not putting the blame on the actual planning of attacking the opposing defense where it belongs, which is the coaching staff. They just don't have the weapons. They're not built to throw the ball 50 times a game. The, the, the Patriots weren't built to, to throw it that much either when they had a, a Gronkowski and, 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 and Hernandez. But look, they, they involved their tight ends. They opened up for everybody else. I just think, you know, as a head coach, if you, if you have somebody like the size of Soda and the ability of Thompson, you know, right there, playing that tight end. I mean, you have to use them. You have well, to use them or else, I mean, why are you the head coach? I mean, They should use there. them more. You're right. When, when a guy's I mean, got, when a guy has, thir- was it, 13 career catches and six of them are for touchdowns? Some stat like, some ridiculous stat like That's that? That's exactly right. Yep. That, when you've got that on your team, you have to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands. 100%. 100%. And, and then when you have a guy that's 6'6", six, six, and has the hands of a grizzly bear. Like, I mean, I mean, what do you do with a six-six guy? Throw him, throw him with the linebacker. Just have him post him up, and that's it. That's six, seven yards each and every play. I mean, I mean, we we need these coaches to to actually think about this, and and and, and not. We need to stop pushing Gavin Hardison under the bus, and and try to see that. You know, yes, he doesn't have the talent outside. But he does have some talent that's not being utilized by the coaching staff. So I think more than anything, that that's the case with the UTEP offense. That they're they're well, so they 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 so want to run the ball, and I and I understand they want to run the ball, but but at times you can't do it, and 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 and, and the defenses will bog down on that running game and make make Hardison throw. So let's make let's put Hardison in, in, in positions where he's he's going to help the team and and, and the others the same way we've talked about it over and over again i appreciate the phone call we've said they have to play to gavin's strengths you have to you cannot play to his weaknesses you have to uh design a game plan to his strengths all right before i get to george adrian what is this about rating augustine's (laughs) phone call he says you rated it an eight out of ten that's right are you are you actually rating callers on Minor Talk? No, no, no way. Uh, only Augustine, exclusively for him. Um, you know, I think it was like four or five weeks ago. Augustine came in with a horrible call. It was just, it was awful. It, you could tell that he didn't watch it. He didn't, he didn't focus on the game, and he was just doing some uh, outlandish takes left and right, like he, like he sometimes does, right? Uh, so after that call, 
I said that he was banned from the night. We weren't going to read any tweets from his of that night specifically. He called back uh, about two weeks afterward, and he redeemed himself with a really good call. So at the time I said, hey, Augustine, your previous call was about a 2 out of 10. This call was about a 7 out of 10. And then this past Saturday, he followed it up with another good phone call uh, along the same lines of what he just said right there. And yes, I rated it 8 out of 10, and now this is a running thing on Minor Talk. Uh, Listeners are enjoying this. We are uh, now rating Augustine's phone calls. Okay, that is something new, but uh, I'm sure he's loving that too. Let's keep things moving. I can't believe you actually gave him an 8 out of 10. That's that's (laughs) unbelievable. All right, George is joining us next, 20 front of 6 here on Sports Talk. Hi, George. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on, uh, Steve? Just uh, just going uh, back to the game on Saturday, I, I picked it up. Because I, I, I was at Luby's, I was watching the game on ESPN Plus, and uh, I, I was pretty disappointed at the start of the game how how LaTeX just came down and scored just that quickly, and then right after that uh, we ended up shooting ourselves in the foot, and then again came back and scored, and then now we're fourteen fourteen zero, and then we we kind of redeemed ourselves a little bit, and then you know when when Gavin throws three interceptions. It's not going to be a good thing. And, I mean, it's like what you said. You know, we got to play to a strength. And also, like I said before, you got to stick to the running game. you gotta, you got to use Hankins more. He was punishing. He was in there. He was hitting people. He was, he was making a point, uh, a point for himself. They need to utilize him more. And, yeah, your tight ends need to get more involved. The defense did not play stellar, but, hey, they held them. When they needed to, they, they did it. Now, did they break at the end? Yes. But once again, we cannot expect to come back from a, a, a two-point, I mean, a, a two-score game. And, uh, and then we had it close there, and we end up letting them score again. I mean, that to me, I mean, it, it was disappointing, but there was some good, uh, good, good plays and, and, and a, a good game altogether. I mean, being that we have uh, coming off the road again, to go back to the East Coast and play again. And these kids, they, they played their hearts out. They played a yep. good game. They came out short. But, hey, nothing to be disappointed about. I mean, it's just something to build on. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for getting in, George. Let me throw this question at all of you. And we've cleared the line, so if you'd like to weigh in during the break and get in on this question, I'd love to hear your, uh, your answers on this, okay? If Dana Dimmel is going to put UTEP in a position to win five to seven football games every year. And you're not and maybe you occasionally get a year where they win more than seven and occasionally get a year where they win less than five. But let's just say the sweet spot of Dana Dimmel is five to seven wins per year. Every year. Is that good enough as a minor fan? With the history of the program where it's been and everything else, if I was to tell you Every year, UTEP football can will have a legitimate shot to win between five and seven football games every season. Is that good enough for you? 505-6009, that's our telephone number. We're hanging with you live. Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down and join us as we give away some great halftime prizes for the Raiders and the Chiefs right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Nation is arriving here at Border House, 1506 Leach, you know, getting ready for the Raiders and the Chiefs tonight. 
We're getting ready for baseball playoffs. We're going to have a lot of AL and NL and, uh, uh, divisional series games here on 600 ESPN over the next few weeks as we get you through the World Series this year. So stick around, ESPN Radio, your home for the baseball playoffs. We'll have a lot of that for you. All right, before we get to uh, your thoughts on the uh, topic of uh, the hour, 505-6009, that is our telephone number. I asked you earlier, when it's regard to five to seven wins, as a UTEP fan, how would you be happy with five to seven wins per year with the occasional, you know, eight to ten win season, uh, as long as you know you're in that five to seven range year in, year out? Would you feel good about that? Here's what Poncho had to say. Five to seven wins with the occasional eight to ten win season would be great. But there has to be some quality wins, not just wins against teams with losing records. This season, the quality win is Boise State. Boise State is right now 4-2 and overall, 3-0 and in the Mountain West. They've won their last two since the UTEP loss. So there is your quality win. Problem is, is that if UTEP does not defeat um, Rice or UTSA, they might not beat somebody with a winning record in Conference USA play before the end of the season. So I get the caveat there. I really do. I understand. Let's see what David has to say. He's joining us next. 52 passed. Hi, David. Hey, what's going on, Cap? Uh, I would say yes to that question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back some years. I remember I called you years ago, okay, and when okay. Mike Price was okay. struggling. And I remember I asked you, man, we got to get rid of this coach. What are we going to do? And I remember you clearly stating, be careful what you wish for, because it might not be any better. The next coach might not be any better. And sure enough, who do we get as a coach? Was it Kugler, right? Yep, it was Kugler. Yeah, and he set the program back. He set the program back. I know he had a bowl, uh, he, you know, he had a bowl game, but I mean, the players he was recruiting, he didn't. It seemed like he didn't care. I mean, I don't want to make this about Kugler, but to answer your question, yes, well, definitely, I would, I would take that uh, that situation. Five to seven. All right, appreciate it, David. Thanks for the call. Thanks for uh, getting in on that and and giving you your thoughts on the five to seven uh, win situation. All right we got a lot more in store for you as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, I do want to get to Adrian's physical athletics, physical fitness tip of the day. Adrian, what's your tip for us and our listeners? Yeah, thanks to physical athletics who remind everybody out there, don't skip your wor- your warm-up before your workout. When you warm up properly, you actually prepare your body for your workout, and you could also help prevent injuries that you might uh, experience. With physical athletics, you'll get three big things. Number one, you'll get access to a trainer along with analytics to help you progress and show you how you're doing throughout a workout. Number two, you get recovery programs to get right before a game or just feel great after a tough workout and number three you get access to a free screening from a physical therapist take it from me i did it myself and i had a lot of success finding out what was wrong with my hip and now they've recommended some physical therapy on my side physical athletics is now accepting new clients they've got athletes eight years old all the way up to the professional level they've got two locations in el paso at joe battle and at east lake you can get a free one week trial and see what they're all about call or text 915-996-4476 to get started today with physical athletics. 
Terrific stuff as we wrap up hour number two and get you ready for our third and final hour. Cowboys update with Christy Scales is coming up. Austin Cox will be here as well in our 6 o'clock hour. We'll keep the phones going. We'll talk a little UTEP hoops with Austin. And look who's back. Joel Kaplowitz is back after being gone for like an hour and a half. Uh, you just ate a, a cheese quesadilla. Do you feel better? Yes, a lot better. Do you feel like you have more to add to the show? Do you, would you uh, you want to talk about some topics in our five in our six o'clock hour? I don't know any topics, but if you have any topics, then I'll talk. About it. Fair enough. Unless I, if uh, if I don't know it, then I won't. But yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your honesty. Yes. Thank you. Okay. All right. He is refreshed. He is ready to go. Yeah. More of that as well. As sports talk continues, six hundred ESPN El Paso. We'll take you up till 7 o'clock on a Monday. Coming your way live, Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Hey, tonight, three, four, five dollar pints. It's pint night. Not to mention um, also $4 Fireball, $5 Jack and Jack flavors. We'll be giving away prizes at the half of the Raiders and Chiefs, which kick off in about 10 minutes from now. Courtesy of all that music and video. Now open at their newly remodeled and expanded spot, Fountains of Farrah, directly below the Best Buy parking lot. They've got everything, folks, everything. Posters, patches, buttons, pop culture gift items, not to mention CDs, DVDs, vinyl, lots of vinyl, vintage, 180-gram vinyl, something for everybody. You can discover record collecting and all that music and video. And they've given us uh, some terrific prizes here tonight. We'll tell you about all of our prizes coming up. Austin Cox will join us in our 6 o'clock hour as well. We've got two calls to get to at 505-6009. That's our telephone number. We asked you the question at the end of hour number two. Would you be happy with five to seven wins every year for UTEP football with the occasional eight to ten win season and maybe the occasional less than five win season? But for the most part, you know year after year, this is a five to seven football season, five to seven win football team with a chance to go bowling every year. Would that is that enough for you as a fan? And two callers are ready to jump on it. We'll start first with Hector from the Upper Valley. He'll join us here as we continue our number three. Hector, what's happening? I will take five to seven wins yearly uh, because that gives us a chance to get into a bowl game. Uh, and it's better than, you know, when you're a lifelong minor football fan, those numbers are pretty good. Um, I watched the game Saturday. The The boys look tired, man. They've played seven games. They were just tired. Um, what hurts the most, Steve, is if they would have won, we would have had a sold-out stadium on the next home game, the 2 o'clock game. That's what kills it, is now people are going to say, oh, same old minors, but if they would have won after those quality wins, it would have been sold out. I don't think they would have sold it out, Hector. I don't even think it would have been close to being sold out. I think what would have happened was they would have had ballpark twenty to 25,000 fans, which, considering the last game had 11, would have been double the crowd. It would have been positive. It would have been nice. And Remember, there's still people working on Saturday afternoons. That's still happening. But I would take twenty to 25000 for every home game, and I think that you win three in a row and you've got an extra week to sell tickets, that could have been the case. Now you're probably closer to that 15000 mark or so, although I wish there would be more, but I understand the circumstances. I really do. Yeah, you know, the last game against Boise, I mean, people aren't used to going to a football game on a Friday night, man. Here in El Paso, everybody does high school football, you know, and that hurts. 
and it was a good quality win like your last caller wanted. Yep, uh, Boise it was. State is up there. Yeah, it, it was a good quality win. Nobody watched it. That's true. So now, I remember listening to the coach say after the New Mexico loss, this team is better than last year's, and I thought, man, this guy's crazy. Then he pulls off those two wins, and I thought to myself, hey, well, maybe he knows something I don't know. He knows his team, but, you know, I think the boys are just tired. I hope they do. I hope they do win the next home game. I'll be there at two o'clock because I support the miners. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Appreciate it, Hector. Let's keep things moving. Dan is next. East El Pass is where we find him. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Hey, Dan, what's going on? Well, Steve, a whole lot of stuff. First of all, you, you know what? Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to change the subject a little bit. And the previous caller that closed out the other, he was talking about changing coaches and about Cougar. You know, he makes a good point, which I want to jump in. You know, every time a program at the high school level or college level uh, changes coaches, the program doesn't improve unless you had a heck of an athlete and you had a terribly bad, bad coach. But yep. that's not the case at UTIP. You, you know what it is? Uh, sure, we could get rid of Dimmel in two years, and then another guy's going to come in pitching another five-year uh program five years i mean i would do that if i was hard i would say i need five years guys because i got to change the culture and of course every time you're changing it you're setting the program back five and five and five and five and that's where you tip that's what has happened at you tip i mean you know then you're you're not bringing quality athletes i mean look at the quarterback the guy like i've said he is a d1 player but he is not a starting quarterback anywhere uh, other than UTIP. His time management, his decision-making. Sure, you can blame Dimmel. He's calling the, the long pass. Hey, but if he's not there and it's double coverage, he's got to have a checkoff. they got to have a checkoff somewhere or throw it away. And then yep. Dimmel will say, hey, well, this guy, you know, is not going to throw into double coverage. Either I'm going to replace him or do something else. You know, Changing coaches really is not the answer. The answer is us, us as fans. We need to go in 15,000, really? That's a good crowd? No way. Not for a D1 program because then there's no money. There's nobody to bring a better coach, a better athlete. That is, that's what's wrong with UTEP. Not a coach, not, not an athlete, which they're not the greatest D1 players, but they are D1 players. And... The blame, everybody can sit there and blame, uh, you know, Harding can blame them on everything, but let's point out ourselves. From now on, when was the last time you paid money to go see a UTEP football game? And then that will be the, your answer. Thanks yeah. a lot, Steve. I really appreciate your time. All right, Dan. Appreciate you as well. Uh, I want to give Chema and Zay an opportunity to uh, chime in on this topic. So uh, first, Chema, I'll ask you. As somebody who uh, has gone to UTEP, and someone who um, you know is very much in tune to athletes and other students on the campus, would you uh, be happy with five to seven wins a year in football? Is that something that you feel is a very attainable goal and all you could ask for as a student or as a fan? You know, I feel um, five to seven wins is very attainable, especially like, you know, students students want to see their football team win. They want to they want to go to games. You know, they want to enjoy themselves. But if you don't get those like five to seven wins, you're not going to have that student culture there. And I just feel like, you know, like at a point, you know, you want to see UTEP probably try to win a, a conference. You know, 
Oh, you know sure. I, but I'm just saying, you know, look, you could have the occasional 8-10 to 10 win season, but you know year after year you've got a shot to win 5-7 to seven and go bowling every year. So the question is, is that enough for you as a student, as a fan, or do you want more? If I were a student that didn't know, you know, that, that UTEP football program, like, like I worked with them you know, and all that, if I didn't know them, I would be okay with that 5-7 to seven win. But you do know them, and you do work with them. Does that mean for you you want more than that? Because you're closer to the program than most students. To me, yes, because, you know, like, you know, you want to see them succeed. You know, like, their potential. You know, you see them play against Boise. You know, you huh? see them play against Oklahoma. I didn't think they did bad against Oklahoma. But, um, you know, you just want to see them succeed and, and win. And you want this team to be a winning program. Okay. Um, Zay, you're not there yet, but in a few years – you could very well be at UTEP or some other place going to school. Mm-hmm. So you tell me, do you feel like as somebody that has grown up around the program as a fan and you, you've uh, been taking a vested interest in this university and this program, um, do you want more than 5-7? to seven, Or is 5-7 to seven wins and an opportunity to go bowling all you ask for every year? Um, I'm okay if they're, if they're competing year in, year out for a bowl. As long as you're not, you know, consistently maybe four four, and then you get a six win season, and you go back. No, I'm saying I'm, five, yeah. five to seven. Five yeah. every year, it's five to seven, not four, not three. I'm saying five to seven. You might get an occasional eight or nine or ten. You might get an occasional four, but you know you're going to be in that five to seven range year in year out. Yeah, because I think with this UTEP football program, they've been so bad for so long. Do you need this? If you want to go to that next step and win nine games, ten games, you know, year in, year out, you need to be a consistent 500 or above team. I think, I think, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, heck okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, Pinky out in Santa Teresa messages us on our mobile app. If UTEP ever had a 1988 season again and consistently would be great, uh, but I'm realistic, always realistic and optimistic. All right. Well, everybody would love that 88 season or a 2000 season. I get that. They would. But you have to be realistic, like um, like Pinky said. And I agree with him there. Um, that is uh, a very, very good point. So uh, this came from Paul Marmalejo. Never kick a dog when they are down, but you get what you invest in. Hashtag raise the standard. Hashtag mediocre is not acceptable. Now, uh, Adrian, back to you. Is five to seven wins every year mediocre? Yes, it is. And I think that uh, if UTEP ever wanted to get to a point where they uh, tried to petition to go to the Mountain West, if they want, ever want to get yep. to a point where they want to upgrade and uh, you know show everybody out there and really rally the fans back to where you're consistently getting 20,000 to 30,000 in the stadium week after week, and when you have home games, you have to get you have to raise the bar, you have to get to the standard where uh, you go and compete for conference titles, not 100%. where you're going for mediocrity. Not where you're just settling for a 500 or uh, less or maybe just above 500 season. You have to be not going to bowl games. You have to be winning bowl games year after year. Ed McDonald at Minor Eddie Mac tweets the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. La Tech with their last coach was a very consistent program. And bowl wins. That's all I wanted. Give me La Tech. Check the numbers 6-8 to eight every year. Talking about Skip Holtz, who was probably the most consistent winning head coach 
in recent memory as far as CUSA goes. And look at what he did at La Tech over those 10-plus uh, you know, years. You could say Skip Holtz was a model of excellence uh, in Ruston. That's a really good point. I think he was. Uh, I also think last year was uh, an example of how that fan base is not content with things like a, a losing season. They're not content with a one-off uh, three-win year. If you don't have success over at La Tech, they will fire you, and they will yep. move on, and they will be happy about it. Another program just like this, UAB. We saw the success previous head coach Bill Clark had with the Blazers as soon as they moved up from uh, uh, back to FBS and were FBS eligible back in 2017 or 18, whenever that happened, uh, when they made that transition back up, uh, that football team has been successful. Poncho gave us the blueprint for success. Here's what he says. If UTEP football beats everyone they're supposed to beat, meaning losing teams, win at home against teams of the same caliber, and then get the occasional win away, you add the occasional upset every other year, you'll have five to eight wins with some nine to ten seasons and thirty to forty thousand in attendance. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds very easy because fans here will support a winner. They will uh they will forget about a loser. They won't even pay attention to UTEP when they lose. Yep. They are kicking off right now between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Three and one against one and three. Um, in Kansas City. Joel, who's going to win this game? I don't know how many games Raiders have won. One. One Chiefs is... have won three. Yeah, Chiefs are going to win. All right, that was so easy. There you go. Five. five simple, five. simple no. math, right? No Numbers don't Chiefs. lie. Numbers don't lie, Joel. Numbers, hopefully don't lie. That's right. All right. When we return, we're going to talk to Austin Cox. Yeah, and talk about what's going to be happening Thursday at Eastwood High School right after Charlie One, who's got this traffic update 16 past, heading to 7 o'clock here, live from Border City L House on 600 ESPN El Paso. 20 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Watching the Chiefs uh, with the football right now, trying to move uh, second down for them. Uh, second and eight uh, with about the first two and a half minutes into the quarter. Scoreless between Kansas City and uh, the Raiders. Uh, Las Vegas, it's our Monday night football game, and we're here with you. You can come down, watch it with us, and sign up to win some great prizes at the half. First, though, want to mention that uh, we've got a chance to switch gears a little bit. Talk some YouTube hoops right now with Austin Cox. He is chief of staff for the UTEP men's basketball team. Appreciate you making the drive down here with us, and uh, thanks so much for coming by. How you doing? Absolutely, Steve. Always a pleasure. I'm doing great. Thank you. Austin, you as well. Had a chance about a week and a half ago to watch my mm -hmm. first practice yep. uh, of the season. Enjoyed what I saw, and I know a lot of uh, minor fans uh, in the east side of town are really going to enjoy a very unique experience that's going to be coming to uh, Eastwood High School here on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, since has gotten here, he's uh, he's made a consistent effort of community, and uh, this is a huge focus uh, for him, and something we're extremely excited about to get uh, out to Eastwood High School on Thursday at 6.30 p.m. So we're very thankful for Coach Peter Morales over there at Eastwood for welcoming us to Eastwood. Tell me a little bit about the uh, the workout will be like when it starts at 6:30, and what fans could expect if they go out to Eastwood. Yeah, I think uh, you know you get a chance to see our see our see and meet our players, and for, for a lot of our fans, will be our first opportunity. Obviously, even for you last week, uh, a lot of new faces and names, and so the first chance to be able to to see some of those guys, and then hopefully from there you'll be able to see some of our athleticism and. Uh, 
uh, our ability to shoot a little bit and what what's uh, what, what we can all look look forward to come um, when we hit the hit the court in the dawn but uh, just a fun night for fans to come out and see uh, see the minor basketball uh, team so I was going to ask if it's going to be more like a practice, or would you call this almost like an informal workout at Eastwood High? Yeah, I think uh, probably more of an informal workout. Just uh, you know, probably maybe uh, maybe a little dunk contest. Uh, you know, maybe some three-point contests here and there. Just uh, uh, definitely just a, uh, a, a chance for, for fans to come out and have some fun with our guys and, and get to maybe meet them and get to know them a little bit more on a personal personal note. Austin, you mentioned Coach Morales, and more than anything, mm-hmm. what I love about this is the opportunity to do this at a high school gym. I almost hope that UTEP can make almost an annual event, and every year a different high school will have an opportunity to have something like this take place. Yeah, that would sure be neat, wouldn't it? Um, I think, you know, we started with, with Coach Morales here. He's, um, he, you know, since I have been got here in June, he's really welcomed me with open arms. Uh, and it's just been open to all sorts of opportunities. So when I, when Coach and I floated uh, Coach this idea, or Coach Morales this idea rather, uh, he was he was all about it, just two feet in. And so I, I think I, I'm with you. I hope this sticks and we can get some. Okay, we're back. Hopefully that sounds a little bit better, Adrian. Um, you can let me know um, if that's better or the same because we just did. And um, okay, great. So we're hanging out right now with Austin uh, Austin Cox, and if uh, the 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 connection was uh, a little about trying to do this, maybe a different high school every year. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Golding and I floated this idea uh, to Co- to Coach Morales over at Eastwood probably uh, about a month or so ago, um, and he was he was all for it. And uh, you know, like like the two of us here. Uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for us to get to the east side, uh, maybe maybe connect with some fans that don't necessarily get to see us on, a, on an everyday basis or get to inter- interact with the minors. Um, so hopefully this does stick uh, and we can make this an annual, annual event for, for minor fans on the east side and, frankly, for all of El Paso. Okay, I think that would be great. Uh, we will try and fix our uh, technical issues right now, but in the meantime, let's send it to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. A one to attend. Does this sound any better? Yes, this sounds a lot better. Thank you guys. I really appreciate Great. it. Great. Happy awesome. to hear it. All right. I'm going to make you do this a third time All because right. <laughs> every because the last two times we've talked about doing yep. the high school tour, yep. it sounded uh, people have had a hard time okay. probably hearing it. So let's talk about one more time. We, yep. we've got, we, we're, we're getting this. We're, we're rehearsing this really good and getting it down, Austin. Uh, about UTEP trying to potentially make this yep. kind of a high school uh, workout an annual event. Yeah, Co- Coach Golding. Uh, since I've been here in June, but frankly, since he uh, arrived in El Paso, has made an effort. Uh, to really get out and uh especially uh on the east side and so we sat down and said how, how can we get to the east side of el paso how can we reach our fans uh uh on that side of town and so we uh, approached coach morales at eastwood high school and just floated the idea and he was he was all about it so uh, we're, we're excited to get out to, to eastwood this thursday at uh, 6 30 p.m and, and give uh, all of el paso the opportunity to really uh, get to see the minor basketball team for this season uh, for the first time, and maybe get to put some faces with uh, or some names with all the new faces. You're less than a month away from the season starting up. Days. Hard to believe that uh, you know we are right around the corner from the Texas Longhorns. No doubt, we are. We'll tip off November seventh uh, against the Longhorns, and uh, yeah, 28 days away. Uh, we're excited. Pr- just finished up uh, practice number 11 today, 
and uh, like what like what we see. Do we know what time that game is yet? No, we don't. It'll be dictated by by TV. Hopefully, a little bit more in ten days out. But it's looking like it'll be a uh, you know it's their first game in their new new arena. So there's a lot of anticipation. Um, so it'll be. Uh, a little little closer to tip before we know exactly what time. I mean, I'm figuring either between 6 and 7, 7 or 7.30 local time. I would say 7 uh, central time, so probably a 6 p.m. mountain time start yeah, if, I was a, that's, if I was planning on things. That's what I figure. Yep. And, and from what I understand, they've already had a lot of El Pasoans that are going to be going and making this trip to Austin. I heard that uh, UTEP has been very successful. Like 30 different people have already been uh, committing to make yeah. the, the trip to Austin. Yeah, we, uh, I think uh, there, there is. There's a, there's a great contingent of fans that are extremely excited uh, about our trip to Austin. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of connection between the two universities, so uh, I, I do think that there, people are really excited about the matchup. If people are wondering why people are screaming, well, Devontae Adams just caught a 58-yard touchdown reception from, uh, from Carr, so there you go, 6 nothing. Raiders strike first in this one with the Chiefs. Now, after Thursday, yep. um, again, getting back to uh, business, you have a lot yep. going on. There's a lot happening. Doc Sadler's going to be coming back yes, to town. Yes, Coach Sadler's coming back. We're really excited to, to welcome him back to El Paso. Probably, no, I guess since he was at Southern Miss when he was coaching here, but uh, in a UTEP polo, it'll be probably his first time back since uh, you know his time here as a coach. So we'll welcome him back on on November 1st for Dinner at the Don, which is a, a second annual event that Coach Golding's uh, brought to brought to Minor Basketball. So uh, more information online on our website at utepminers.com where you can purchase your tickets to come see Coach Sadler speak. Uh, just an, a, a great night for Minor Basketball on November 1st coming up. Do we know yet what Doc's outfit will be for that event? Considering when he was at Southern Miss... He was rocking the sweatpants look quite often and, and kind of ditched the suit that he wore at Utah for so many years no into a much more comfortable attire. No I, I, uh, I told Coach Golding, let's just make sure we've got the Diet Mountain Dews ready, a nice comfortable chair for him to, to tell some good stories in, and uh, uh, it, it'll be a game-time decision, I'd say, on the, on the outfit, the attire for the evening, but it is a... Uh, uh, a question that's 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 out there. <laughs> Dinner at the Don started last year with yep. Tim Floyd and brought him in. That was a very successful mm -hmm. event. You know Doc's going to be fun this year. Yes. Is this also an annual event that you're looking forward to, whether it's a past coach or player yes. bringing somebody here to connect with the fans? Yep, it's, uh, it's a unique thing that, that Coach uh, has ha done previously, um, starting at Abilene Christian. Uh, he has a has a deal that he does that uh, he uh, likes to refer to as speed dating, where you know even tables there throughout the event, um, you'll get to meet and interact with every player and coach and have a few minutes uh, before dinner starts uh, and before we hear from Coach Sadler, uh, just to get a chance to, to to maybe learn something new about the guys uh, that are on this year's roster. So it's a, it's a fun night. Bottom of the hour as we continue here with UTEP Men's Basketball Chief of Staff, Austin Cox uh, on Sports Talk. Adrian, let's go back to you. Uh, I, I know you've got a question for Austin. Austin, I wanted to ask, uh, going back to the practice that's going to be taking place at Eastwood, the local mm -hmm. connection is so important. Uh, you all have two local players on the team right now, and Antoine yeah. Holmes, who graduated from Chapin, Garrett mm -hmm. Levesque, who graduated from Coronado. How much is that pipeline, like that local connection, important to try to encourage more players to play eventually for UTEP? 
Yeah, and I'll even add uh, add Zarek to that list too, Adrian. You know, he he uh, he grew up an, an army kid, um, and so I, it is. It's a you talk to Zarek or or um, Antoine or Garrett, they grew up wanting to be miners, right? They that's what they that's what they wanted. They grew up as kids wearing the blue and orange, and and so. You know, when you start talking about the next generations of bas- college basketball players, when they can grow up and, and their first or, or their earliest memories of, of basketball fandom was, was seeing their favorite minor uh, in the Don Haskins or even at Eastwood High School, um, that's 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 the kind of pipeline you want to be able to build um, for the future of, of basketball in El Paso because the fact of the matter is, we see it every day, there's, there's talent in the city. And if there's something we learned last year from Joe Golding, it doesn't matter if you're a four-star or a walk-on. If you can play and you practice well and you've earned his trust, he'll give you an opportunity come game time. 100%. It's going to be work ethic is uh, is going to beat talent every day. We talk about it. And, you know, if, he, if you can uh, prove to him that you can outwork uh, the next guy, you're going to have a chance to put on that uniform. Sounds like there's a lot of big things coming up. So you've got dinner at the Don. You've got the practice uh, against Eastwood yep. uh, on or practice with Eastwood on, yep. on Thursday. Um, you know, and, and as we get closer to the season starting up, there's also going to be a big opportunity to try to sell out the Don yes, as we get ready for New Mexico State. Yes, sir. Circle your calendars, everyone. November 12th uh, will be our home opener at the Don Haskins Center. Uh, where we'll take on New Mexico State, so we'll uh, we'll get tested in there early in the schedule, um, but we're super excited to uh, have New Mexico State uh, as our home opener uh, and a chance to sell out the Don since uh, for the first time since 2016, Steve, um, when we welcome back the 66 team for the 50th uh, yep. anniversary. That so, was the win over Western Kentucky 100%. in that game. I remember yes, that like it was yesterday. Hard to believe we haven't had a sellout crowd mm-hmm. at UTEP since 2016. Hopefully that becomes a reality. Yes, sir. Um, it's also crazy to think as a UTEP basketball fan that by the 12th of November, the Miners will have already played the Aggies once and the Texas Longhorns. Yes, we'll uh, we'll be battle tested early, um, which is which is good for for a young team. So uh, we'll we'll learn a lot about the squad, um, but they uh, we're, we're excited about about the opportunities that that are in front of us. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the schedule right now, and you're 100% right. In fact. Um, in addition to the nine one five night, which will be the Aggies, um, you've got I, I guess three days later, mm-hmm. Sol Ross State coming in, and I like the fact that UTEP is going to start a Taco Tuesday promotion <laughs> because the truth is, if you take a page out of the Chihuahuas handbook and see what they've done with Taco Twos and Brews and how you can turn events like this into UTEP sports. I think it's going to be fun because more and more uh, fans are going to get involved because there will be specials, whether it's food or something else, outside of the game. Absolutely. We've got a lot of unique opportunities uh, between uh, marketing promotions that are game-specific to bringing back a tournament, uh, Thanksgiving tournament this season that's on our schedule, a three-day classic over the Thanksgiving break. Uh, there's there's some a lot of different opportunities for our fans to come out and uh, support minor basketball. I like that. I, I really do. Adrian, this has kind of slipped through the cracks. Have you looked at some of the promotions that are going to be happening for UTEP this season? No, Steve. I, I have not so, I have not looked at them. They've got a uh, Black Friday theme uh, against Texas A&M Corpus Christi on November the 25th on Friday at 2 o'clock. Uh, they've got a minor kids club day with Northern New Mexico on Saturday, December 3rd. Then it's also going to be New Year's in the Don 
when it's December 31st, New Year's Eve at 2 o'clock against Rice, Military Appreciation Night with UTSA, TWC Night with Florida Atlantic, Black History Night with Charlotte in February, Game of Thrones Night, which also coincides with Coaches versus Cancer for UAB on the 16th of February. There's going to be a Mardi Gras theme against North Texas on February 18th. That's a Saturday. Nocha Latina with Western Kentucky on March 2nd. And then Senior Night and Fan Appreciation for March the 4th with Middle Tennessee to wrap up the regular season. I love the I love the list. Uh, I can't wait to see what kind of uh, Mardi Gras themes that we see that that game. I love the TWC night. I think that one's going to be a hit. Um, everybody loves whenever UTEP gets a chance to throw back those jerseys and and flex those out in front of the home crowd. So uh, yeah, I commend the program. I think these are some really good theme nights across the season. Now you can't talk much about the Minor Collective because that is the NIL that has been established. But without really talking about it, since uh, you know the university and the basketball program cannot be involved, Correct. we are in an NIL world these days. We are living in an NIL world. And when I heard the news that the Minor Collective was going to be launched, I got pretty excited because it seems like if you don't get in at the ground level up for NIL in this era of college athletics, especially basketball, you're going to have a really tough time. Yeah, 100%. To your point, Steve, uh, it's it's something that uh, from my capacity uh, on staff, we're not really uh, at liberty to speak of um, in depth, but uh, it's definitely... Uh, just just speaks to the, to the support of our program and uh, the El Paso community and something that we uh, we're we're uh, we're looking forward to, to the potential that exists. Yeah, I'm excited for the student athletes more yeah. than anything else. The purpose of NIL is to get this to compensate them for a variety of yep. things, and if the athletes are taken care of, I think that goes a long way towards uh, really what's now becoming the future of no college doubt. athletics. No doubt. So, Austin. Uh, in the meantime, before I wrap things up with yes. you. My first impressions of this basketball team, which fans can see at Eastwood on Thursday night at 6.30 for the free workout, mm-hmm. is ultra-intense, um, a lot of defense, a lot of um, hustling, yep. and, and more than anything, I feel like this team in particular is kind of molded into Coach Golding's personality and what he's all about as a head coach. 100%. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. Last, last year's team... Uh, you know, was a was an unbelievable um, success uh, for Coach Golding's year one. Um, but this year, you know, you've got ten new guys that Coach recruited, and so you really see his DNA, the the, the fabric of what he's trying to create here um, at UTEP, um, and the culture that he's trying to establish for UTEP basketball moving forward. Uh, and you're right, you know, it's going to be de- defensive minded, it's going to be blue collar, and it's going to be five guys out there that fly to the ball and work extremely, extremely hard day in and day out. And yep. I think uh, that um, is some, that'll be apparent um, from day one um, when, when minor fans see, uh, see us on the court. I'm excited for you. Hey, appreciate you dropping Absolutely. in. Thank a lot you. of great stuff to talk about, and we'll look forward to having you back on during the season, Austin. Appreciate you, Steve. You got it. He's chief of staff for UTEP men's basketball, Austin Cox. 39 passes. We continue. Come back and wrap it up next. Final countdown. We'll tell you if the Chiefs make it uh, a little closer than its 7 nothing Raider lead midway through the first quarter from Kansas City here on 600 ESPN El Paso.